Oh, isn't God good? Yeah, especially when people get in their seats. And <laughs> okay. It's, it's rather a strange one, this, because the next time I speak here, we will have moved. We've gone in, we will have gone into North Wales. So uh, five minutes from the beach, five minutes from the family just round the corner. So that's, that's good. Yeah, God knows what he's doing. Yeah, pardon? Bookings later. Yeah, the bookings are piling up. And uh, yeah, but life with the Lord is good. Amen. Uh, you can't go wrong. You're hooked up with the Lord and that's it. You know which way to go. Because you have that revelation that comes to you, sometimes not instantaneously, but gradually it grows on you through your, uh, through your life as you sit under anointed men and women of God uh, who bring out the Word of God. Uh, you know... We, we've all had these situations where we read the Word, and then one day, for the upteenth time, we read the same passage, and the whole thing explodes in front of us like it's never done before. That's God teaching you. That's God just prompting your spirit and opening your spirit. You see, one of the things Father does, uh, you've probably heard this illustration before, it's like sitting in a cinema where you've got the final curtain. You can see the screen behind, and then as the film comes on, that curtain parts, and you suddenly become part of the action on the screen. And God is like that sometimes. He takes hold of the horizon of your imagination, and he opens it. He rips it apart, literally, to let the light of his presence come right into our hearts. The knowledge of who he is, the knowledge of who we are in him. I thought that would have got an amen, but never mind. Uh, but uh, the, the, this, this is the, the personality and this is the revelation of God our Father. Now, I want to turn to uh, Galatians chapter 5, 22 and 23. I'm not going to go any further. You are. Come on, what is it? You should know it off by heart. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. Come on, I've started you. Peace. Yeah, it does, actually. Yeah, the, uh, this is the problem with translations and versions. Uh, it, 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 they, they twist things around, but uh, you, you, you still get the meaning coming out. And uh, God is great. Uh, I'm doing, trying to develop some thoughts on going deeper in Father going deeper. You know, so often we, it's like walking past the shop. We see 
a window there, and there's some nice furniture in that window. You've got all the money in your pocket. And before and until you go in through that door and start spending your money, that, that furniture just becomes a picture. And very often, that's how we are with the presence of God. And God wants to open that door, and he wants us to walk straight into his presence. There are no limits. Come on. There are no limits with God. Come straight into his presence to sit at his footstool. There's nothing God likes better than to have us sitting at peace at his footstool. Now, that's not what I was going to speak on this morning, but it doesn't matter. It's there. Uh, there's no charge for that one. It's, it, it's there. It's free. Uh, the whole word of God is free. Come on. Uh, so, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Aren't you glad we are not under law? Okay. Um, one famous preacher, he had a wife who was a judge. He had his son who was in the police. And he said, it's okay for you too, but I'm under grace, not under law. And uh, that, that became a laughing point in, in their house. But, you know, science loves to measure. Okay? Loves to, loves to measure things. Uh, but there is one thing in this world that you cannot measure. That's relationship. Uh, you, can, you can take a relationship between two people, between a husband and wife. You cannot measure that relationship. There is no way. There is no language. You can only measure it by seeing the outcomes. Now, that's a good one, isn't it? That's a sermon in itself. Uh, the outcomes of what the people of God should be, how they should walk, how they should talk. But science loves to measure. But when you come into uh, when you come into the presence of God, when you start walking with Him, there is a measurement that comes into play, and it's Galatians five twenty two and twenty three, the fruit of the Spirit. How many here this morning are walking in the fruit of the Spirit? Oh, uh, come on! Let's have some show of hands here. Amen. Come on. Uh, because the fruit of the Spirit comes out of your life. What was it Jesus said to his disciples in John 13, 35? By this shall all men know you are my disciples. Not, not by the number of churches you open, not by the strength or the amount of your tithe or offering every week, not by the amount of witnessing you do to other people, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you have love one for another. And you cannot use the measure of human love there. It's measured against the love of Jesus that he had for us. Amen? And that, of course, is the love of God the Father shed abroad in our hearts, but it started, it started at Calvary, it was sealed at the resurrection, and it comes handed down to you and to me 
every moment and every day of our lives. Is that saying something? Amen. Uh, look, I would prefer not to preach this on my own, so let's have some hallelujahs this morning. And if somebody wants to jump up and run around the house, that's fine by me. Very often, the depth of somebody's relationship in Christ Jesus is shown in times of hardship or crisis. How many of you recognize those words? Yeah, it happens. Uh, sometimes it happens with monotonous regularity when we go into a particular season. I mean, Pam now and I are now entering a new season. And... Uh, who knows what's down the road? It doesn't matter, but Father's waiting there, beckoning, come on, walk this way. And uh, don't worry about us moving to North Wales. You're still going to see us the same amount of time. Um, don't worry, Owen, I'll still come here and do the middle session on a Saturday morning. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm suddenly excited about life. Yeah, there have been periods in my life when, when, I've been, uh, uh, when I've been excited, especially when Wales thrash England at rugby. Come on. Or especially, do you know, one thing about the South Africans, they've got good food and they can play good rugby. Okay? That sets conversations up. Come on. And uh, we're... So one thing about the Welsh people, when the South Africans come to play rugby, we love it. We get excited. The old blacks, well, that's one thing. Australian, yeah, okay. And the Six Nations, yeah, that's good. It's, it's the most exciting season of the year, but it's something that grips you. And I don't know about you, but the one thing that never fails to grip my attention is the presence of God in my life working working through my home, through my family, through my relationship. Um, Pam and I have got a great relationship. Uh, if you could be in our house, a fly on the wall, you would see that there would be a lot of laughter. Am I right? Yes, a lot of laughter, but also the depth of feeling for each other cannot be measured. And of course, by human standards, you cannot measure the depth of feeling that God has for you in your life. And uh, I've mentioned it a few times, and I keep going back to it, uh, to that song, that hymn, he walks with me, he talks with me, and he tells me, you're mine. You're mine. You're not your own. I bought you with a price. I gave everything I had so that you could walk alongside me. Hold on a sec. This is the creator of the universe. This is almighty God. And he's talking to me. But you see, what he has done is he has made me his through Christ Jesus, and he has caused me and you to sit together with him. Where is Jesus at this moment in time? At the right hand of God the Father. That's right. You go to many churches and you say, where is Jesus? Well, he sat here with us. No, he isn't. 
Scripture distinctly says he is at the right hand of God the Father, and we, says Paul, have been raised up with him. Okay? So you don't walk in the gutter. You walk on the pavement. You are the king. You are the queen, wherever you are, because God has appointed it that way, and therefore you will... <coughs> Excuse me. God has appointed it that way. Therefore, you walk, you walk tall, you walk in power. Yeah, you walk in faith, that's right, but you walk in power and you display power. Well, I don't feel very powerful this morning. Well, you better do something about it. Better get on your knees before God and say, Father, what's wrong? You don't miss it. Where have I missed it this morning? What have I done that's caused me to be like this? Have I let the enemy in? Have I opened the door? The enemy only wants a chink. That's all he wants. I can remember watching a BBC program. I'm going to say something here. There's a lot of you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, there's a lot of you here today who are... Somebody open this. Thanks. Thank you, Glenn. You're a blessing. Thank you. Oh, that's better. Yeah. Right. Now then, where was I? <laughs> that's it. Yeah, we, we display the power of God. No matter where you are, you display the power in your own front room at home. You display the power when you're cooking your breakfast for your husband. Have you had to cook breakfast this morning? No. Oh. <laughs> hey, excuse me, there is no judgment here, honestly. <laughs> no, we had good, old-fashioned, substantial porridge this morning. I did have a slice of toast after, but... Uh, here we are. Um, what would I want? Oh, yes, I was watching a BBC program. Now, what I was saying is most of you wouldn't even have been born when this program was shown. I was in my, just in my early 20s. And uh, I was seriously committed in a relationship with a lovely Christian girl. No, we didn't get married. It didn't get that far. But I'm sat Saturday afternoon. It was, it was the old grandstand program. And you would get a bit of football. But one of the things they had was unusual sports. And they were showing a group of rock climbers and they were climbing the old man of Hoy. You heard of that? The old man of Hoy is in the Orkneys, and it's a stack of rock just offshore. I'll be honest with you, if you saw it in a photograph, you would not want to climb it. But these men were climbing it. And they got to a point where uh, they had to put a pitten, which is what they hammer into the rock, to get to the next level. And the guy had got the pitten into the crevice 
And he picked up his hammer and he was hanging on with one hand and it was a fingertip holding. His feet were firmly where, where they should be, but it was a fingertip and he's hammering. And you know, it came to me, that's a sort of hold the devil needs in your life just to get a hold on you. Just a fingertip. That's all he wants. And that fingertip can be in the form of a temptation. It can take you away from father. And uh, I mean, uh, uh, watching that film, that could have been a fingertip for the devil, but it wasn't. He didn't get the better of me then. He has got the better of me since. But I soon found out and we put him where he belongs. And, uh, uh, you know, we just got to watch this very carefully. Uh, not a lot of what I'm saying is down in my notes here today, as you know. But uh, uh, whatever you did for me, whatever you did to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it unto me. The disciples said to Jesus, look, when do we see you in these situations? When did we see you lost? When did we see you hurting? When did we see you sick? in prison, homeless, naked, and we address those needs. You've been with, you're the one that teaches us. And Jesus said, in as much as you did it, and to the least of my brethren. In fact, in one translation, it says, these little ones, as though he's referring to children, you did it unto me. Okay? Um you know, there comes a time every June or July, maybe a little bit earlier, when students, how many ex-students are here? Oh, right, okay, there's, there's three of us who have been educated, okay. <laughs> you know, you come out of university with your degree and you walk down the road and you see, a, uh, you, you see a susceptible boss who you might be able to talk and giving you a job, and you hold out your degree and you say, this is me. Yeah. There's only one thing missing. Life skills yeah. and experience. Yeah. Okay? Until you get that, that boss isn't going to take you. One might be sympathetic and say to you, okay, but you've got to start at the bottom and work your way up. Okay? Oh, it's, it, it's exactly the same with Father. Uh, sometimes he will bring you to the point where you can see the throne. You can see it distinctly. You, you, know, the, um, you, you know the reflection of his glory. Uh, I can remember when it was 2002, 20, uh, and Pam came upstairs after lunch, or about lunchtime-ish, and found me slumped on the bed. I've never had pain like it in my life. And immediately she rang the doctor. Now, this was just before lockdown, so everything was normal. You remember those days? And... Uh, uh, and she said, yeah, 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 the reception, she said, yes, he can see a doctor at 4.30, which was okay. But the pain started to get worse and worse. She said, forget the doctor, I'm taking you to A&E. And uh, they got me in an A&E, and there, uh, 
a nurse did uh, what they call it, ultrasound, just like a mum has when, when she's carrying her child. They did an ultrasound. That got me admitted. The following day, I had a CAT scan, whisked off the surgery at quarter past four. I mean, I'm lying in my bed. I'm quite comfortable. They've got stuff going into me, dealing with the pain. And suddenly I see Pam walking in, but it isn't visiting hours. I said, what are you doing here? She said, they sent for me. I thought, oh dear, right, okay. The surgeon came along and said, Mr. Wilson, you've got a choice. We can try surgery with no guarantees, or we can put you comfortable for your final hours on earth. Okay, and neither of us looked at each other. We just said together, surgery. We're waiting for you, and within moments, I was being wheeled down the corridor. Pam came with me as far as the door of the theater, and the doctor said to her, I'll ring you when it's all over. And when they did ring her, she thought it was rather early. She thought, is there something wrong? No, just telling me the surgery's, telling her the surgery's over, but I'm on life support. But the thing was, Pam said to me when I'd come round, that was on the Tuesday, I came round on the Friday morning. And she said to me, what did, did anything happen? Because she'd been given literature because I was on life support that stated many people on life support suffer serious hallucinations and have to have extensive counseling. I said, nothing, peace. That's all I knew, except for this. I had a picture, picture of a staircase. I can see that staircase now. Uh, you know, you go into an office or a school sometimes, and the banister rail of the, st of, of the stairs has got brass studs in them. This one didn't have any brass studs. It was jeweled all the way down. And that staircase rose and it sort of curved slightly to the right and then went up, and there was this brilliant light. Now, I didn't see anybody, but I knew who was there. The light told me who was there. And I'm stood at the bottom of this staircase, and I sensed that I had a choice to make, and I turned around and came back. And uh, one, once I was settled and I'd come round and we were conversing, I think uh, uh, when I first came round for the next two weeks, I was the bane of Pam's life because I was asking, what happened? What happened here? I want to know. Uh, I'm out of it. I don't know anything. What happened here? And uh, she said, what did you see? And I told her what I saw. She said, thank you for coming back. She said, thank you for coming back. You see, somewhere in that, God was in control. He had his hand. He had his finger. And he was, he was controlling everything. I said, what was it like for you? She said, no problems. Absolute peace. Uh, even when a couple of awkward phone calls, not so much the phone calls, but the time of them was, is there something wrong? And... Uh, 
when I, when I came round, you know, this is crazy. When I came round, the nurse said, good morning. Would you like a drink? Because I briefly come round the night before and uh, asked for a drink and they couldn't give me, give me something to suck that sort of ease things. But he said, would you like a drink? I said, yes, please. He said, for the moment, it's water. I said, that's fine. He said, would you like some breakfast? I said, how many have you got? <laughs> and uh, I had breakfast and I said, excuse me, what day is it? He said, it's Friday, the 13th of March. And he saw my face. He said, what's wrong? I said, it's my wife's birthday and I've done nothing. And he said, your wife is on your on her way to see you now because you've come round and that's all she'll want is to see you, I can assure you. But one of the things I recognized was the presence and the love and the peace of God. I've never known peace like it. Hebrews 12, verse 2. Fix your eyes on who? Jesus. Jesus, who is the author and finisher or completer of our faith. Okay? We have no faith except that it comes from the Lord himself. It comes straight out of God's word. It is written down in God's word. It is planned in God's word. And it's the faith that is in your, it, it, that is beating inside your heart. You know, I've, I've heard Christians come up to me and say, I'm having a tough time at the moment. Okay, we all have them. We go through them. And I, I, I said, okay, what's happening? Well, he said, I've got the devil on one shoulder, <laughs> chipping away. He said, I've got the Holy Spirit. I said, whoa, stop, stop. I said, no way does the Holy Spirit share the same platform as the devil. Well, what are you talking about? I said, where is the Holy Spirit? Well, he's on my shoulder. This is the conversation. He's on my shoulder, chipping. One in one year, one in the other. And you sit down with them and you tell them exactly what salvation is all about. And suddenly there's a light dawning. You can hear the penny drop. You can hear the bell ring. I've never thought of it like that. But that's what it is. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Don't take your eyes off him. Not for one moment, not for one second. Keep your eyes on Jesus. We are living in dangerous times. All of us know that. And there are things that are happening that are causing, sometimes causing God's people to quake at the knees and wonder what's going to happen next. Hold it just for one moment. Understand that Jesus in Matthew 24 said these words. These things must happen. Okay? Because the idea that uh, some of the people of God have is, okay, we'll pray against this. We'll stop it now. Be careful. First of all, get before God and say, Father, how do you want us to pray about this? You can pray into something. You can pray for the people who are in that situation, but be careful what you pray about the situation itself.
these things must happen. Okay? So what else does Jesus say about that? When you see these things happen, look up, for your redemption draws nigh. Hold on, I've got my redemption. Yes, you've got your redemption, but the ultimate redemption of the church being taken out of this place. I don't know about you, but this world can be beautiful, but I've had enough of its atmosphere. Okay? Um, I remember now the night I was saved. I was 12 years of age. I'm going to give my age away here. It was 9th, September 1950. And, uh, yeah, I can hear the wheels going. I'm 83. And uh, I, 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 there were seven of us who gave our hearts to the Lord. Now, the thing was, nothing really much happened until a couple of years later, a boy that I'd palled up with, who used to go to the city temple in Cardiff, which is a big Pentecostal church, he said, why don't you come with me? So I did. And my life was never, ever the same again. Yeah, I was saved. I was baptized in water. I took fellowship at the, uh, at the Lord's table. And that was the sum total in a Baptist church then. But then I found somebody else, the Holy Spirit. I found the reality. I found, what, I found out what it was like to have the Holy Spirit's power in my life. And I'm bringing this to a close because we've got another session coming on. I found out what it was like to have the Holy Spirit operating in full power in my life. How, how many of you know that... Uh, Really speaking, you, you, you can govern the amount of power the Holy Spirit puts into your life. You really can. But when you say, Lord, do whatever you want to do. Just take me. Take my life. Do what you will with it. That was Gloria Copeland's prayer. Take my life. Do what you will. Do something with it. Whatever you want, Lord. And then suddenly, we find that energizing power of the Holy Spirit because there's nothing God likes more to have an open door into your life. A door that he hasn't, doesn't have to batter down or kick in. What does the Word of God say? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Now, many people, many preachers, they say, oh, great salvation message. Well, yes, you, 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 can, you can preach a salvation message from that, but the scripture is distinctly speaking to God's people. Okay? And therefore, let's, let, let's not get waylaid by, uh, by misplate, misplacing Scripture, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice and opens the door, you see, the problem with the door of our lives is the catch is on the inside. Okay? God doesn't have a key. The catch is on the inside. It's his calling. It's his prompting. It's his touching that causes us to open that door. 
and uh, I'm going to wind up here. Uh, thank you for listening. Okay, bless, bless you, and uh, well, let's get ready for the next session. We'll take a short comfort break, and then we'll go into the next session. Okay. <laughs>